Pulse Audio Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Whining About Herstory, where when the road gets tough, the tough get tipsy. This is a women's history podcast where two longtime besties talk about women from history you props haven't heard of while chugging a buttload of wine. I'm Emily. I'm Kelly. And thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I, by the time this episode comes out, it, it's going to feel like, oh, that's already come and gone and we're on to the next travesty. But uh, I think it's probably going to be timeless to say this week has been rough. By the time this episode comes out, we'll only have two more days to go. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know what? We're going to stay tough, and we're going to stay tipsy, yeah. and we're going to stay titted. I don't know. I couldn't I mean, think of another I mean, yeah, I don't plan on doing anything that drastic. Tough, tipsy, titted. Yeah. Put it on our shirt. <laughs> well, we're still doing the quarantine recording. Uh, Governor Walls, he loosen the restrictions uh but as far as like not on private gatherings <laughs> nope not yet which i am disappointed but i completely understand i'm not gonna bitch about it on twitter like some people no, and i'm I, looking at you everyone well, i thought you were else. like looking at me i'm like i don't even like go on twitter <laughs> no i go no, on no, our no. twitter and that's about it no like because my husband works for the local government and yeah like he's heard like through that not like directly from walls or anything obviously but oh they're not twitter buddies no i don't even think justin (laughs) has a twitter but that that's what they that's like the most like that's how most transmissions are happening right now are are like one-on-one gatherings because people aren't like thinking about it you know so that's why they're tending to keep those more restricted because you know those are the ones that people like when you're hanging out in your house, you're not like, oh, I'm going to try to be distanced. I'm going to try to not breathe on someone else. Right, right. It's it's funny because uh, my friend Tierney, who I've talked about on the podcast before. What's up, girl? Yeah. Um, I, have, I haven't really seen her a lot, especially since the new restrictions. I think – I can't remember the last time I saw her now when that was. But – I have run into her downtown while getting coffee twice now, like two separate occasions right in the same block. And it was so funny because the last time I saw her and her boyfriend turn a corner, I just like recognized their shapes. But, you know, with the mask and they're all bundled up, I was like, God, what if it's not them, though? Right. Like you're like, do I yell at them anyways? Yeah. So we're getting a little closer and I just kind of do the what's this? With my hands. And she does the same thing. I'm like, oh, it is tyranny. You're like, oh, thank God. At least that's not yeah, super so. awkward then. If it wasn't. Honestly, like bumping into a friend unintentionally in public is always such a treat. But especially now it's like, oh, my God, I missed you. Right? You're like, I get to see you. And she gave me a great coffee recommendation and it made my boyfriend jealous. So it was a good day. What coffee did she recommend? It was the Woodsman. One of the local coffee shops in town. That's what they're like uh, seasonal specialty. Which drinks. one is it? Because Justin it's got one the of the Woodsman. I know, but what was is that the one that has oh, like steam? 
No. Is that the one that has like apple pie spice or pumpkin spice or something in it? No, I think that's the like green apple matcha one. No. It's literally just called the Woodsman. Get it. You'll love it. I know. I can't. But like, because when we were, the, me and Justin went there when the last time I saw you, actually, when I stopped outside your house for social distance Christmas giving, <laughs> we had stopped at Steam and yeah, they had like their seasonal ones that had the fun names and he got one. And I can't remember what it was now. Oh, okay. It was funny because uh, Jared told me that he was thinking about getting that one, but he decided to just get like a tall black coffee instead. And so he tasted mine and he's like, you bitch. And I'm like, I know. Right. You're like, (laughs) yep. All right. Well, the last two episodes, we did not drink because we were recording in the middle of the day and we wanted to be responsible adults and run errands. But at the end of this week... I think we both need it. So Kelly and I are just kind of drinking whatever we have around the house. Kelly, you want to go first with your wine? Sure. I don't remember what episode it's from, and it's actually one of Emily's wines, but it was here and it was open. So I'm drinking the F. Stephen Millier Rosé that we drank at some point. I remember really liking that one. I put off drinking it because it looked super boring, but it was actually delicious. Like The only thing on the bottle is a little dude with a beard. So yeah, like as far as our <laughs> bottles go, which we usually pick for their uh, wine labels. Yeah. This one's kind of low on the list. And that was one of the ones from Naked Wines. So they don't have a lot of like super fun named ones or at least, you know, not enough to fill up a whole box full of yeah. ones with fun labels or names. They're fancy. But yeah, yeah. so it's a rosé. It's not a particularly like super sweet rosé, but it's really good. Yeah. I remember liking that one. And I am actually drinking another Naked Wines bottle. Uh, this is not one that we've had on the podcast, but this is one I started to enjoy on my own in my free time and then found at the back of my fridge. I was like, oh, thank God, wine. <laughs> I love It's you. called Akiyoshi. It's a 2019 Moscato from Clarksburg, California. And because we haven't had this wine before, I am going to read the back, uh, bringing back the sexy NPR wine voice for 2021. Heck yes. So this is by David Akiyoshi. The vineyard reflects the terrier. The, I'm, what? Okay, this wine bottle has already startled me. Yeah, what? (laughs) It says ter, T-E-R-R-O-I-R, terroir, terroir? I don't know. I don't think terrier is right, I was like, oh, is this guy a dog person? Okay, I'm sorry, I'm going to start over. The vineyard reflects the terroir. The wine grower nurtures the vines and grapes. The winemaker creates the style to unify them both. I just want to say between each of those sentences is an ellipsis instead of a period. Yep. I hate people who write emails and texts like that instead of using actual punctuation. They just use ellipses. I'm like, I'd rather you write completely unpunctuated and uninterrupted because it makes it sound like you're pissed off at me and I hate you. Right. As a second-generation winemaker working with a fifth-generation wine-growing family, this is the thread of continuity for crafting my wines, dot, 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 cheers, dot, 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 salut, dot, 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 enjoy, full stop. I don't sincerely think you want me to be happy. <laughs> I feel like you're being sarcastic, like, cheers, I guess, right? You're salut, like, I, I, whatever, I guess, fuck you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, thank you, angels. Okay, well... It is a good wine, though, despite the gross abuse of ellipses. It's, uh, so it, 
I actually refer- had this in the refrigerator, so this is one of the, like the rare chilled wines we drink because we rarely like. Read no, normally if it needs to we're like reading it and we're like, oh, this is supposed to be chilled. Oh well, and maybe I'm just like getting vibes off of the green label, but it kind of has some like sour green apple vibes to it. Hmm. There's like a hint of carbonation, but otherwise it's really smooth. It's got kind of like a tart tang to it. Excellent, though. Like, highly recommend. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. Just learn to use periods, dude. Like, stop using ellipses. I know someone proofread that for you, and whoever said that that was okay for you to do, take their English degree away. I don't know. Take their take their English degree away. Yeah. My guess is they don't have one. They were just like, yeah, you can do that. Sure, whatever. No, ellipses are sexy. They, they're, like, mysterious. It's like, no. It's like the bad boy in high school. He's not sexy and mysterious. He's just an asshole. Ellipses are the the disappointing bad boys yeah, exactly. of the English language. <laughs> That's funny. That's a good way to describe it. So what are we cheersing to? The end of Ooh, the week. I know exactly what we're cheersing to. I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt. We're cheersing to our first funerary cult member, Marissa Girl. Yeah. We got our first $10 patron on Patreon. I know. We're so excited. And we love you more than anyone Kelly else. Kelly texted me. And I was like, are you serious? Like, I didn't believe it. (laughs) And I was like, I bet it's someone we know. I bet it's a friend who's just being really chill. And she sends me the email like, oh, my God, I don't know who that is. I know. This is so exciting. That's exactly what happened because, like, my phone beeped and it was, like, Patreon. And I was like, okay, whatever. And I, like, looked it up. And I'm like, I don't know this person. And they're donating $10. Oh, my God. Keeping the wine flowing. I'll have to prepare your mug, Marissa. Yeah, so as part of being a $10 patron, uh, after two months, Marissa gets a custom-made Whining About Herstory wine glass that Kelly lovingly etches with her cricket. Mm-hmm. Uh, she gets a social media shout-out, which just went out today. So Yay. what's up, Marissa? We love you. Um, she gets a 10% off code to the merch shop. So Marissa, seriously, whenever you like buy your merch, send us pictures. We'll post it. We just want to see it for ourselves, too, because yeah, that really sounds do. amazing. But she actually heard us on Historical AF, and she was like, Emily's puns are the best. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Yeah. She's like, I guess Kelly's fine. I'll just swap over. But she's like, I'm into these ladies. Let's do this. So we're super thankful, and we're very excited. And what a great way to start of 2021 for us specifically. Yeah, I was excited. (laughs) I was like, all right, this means this year's going to be great. Yes, for us. Yeah. Hopefully, at least. (laughs) I don't know about the world. I don't know about the country, but for the podcast. It's good. Yes. So cheers, Marissa. Cheers, Marissa. Here, I can do better. I uh, I clinked clinked my wine bottle and my wine glass. So that that worked better. Good clinks all around. All right. So Kelly, you're starting us off today. I am. That gives me an opportunity to get sloppy on this wine. Right? I know. I'm sorry. I, I said that wrong. This gives me dot 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 an opportunity dot 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 dot. dot, dot. <laughs> I'm gonna leave now. You can do this on your own if you're gonna use all those ellipses. I've hit my microphone so many times. It's in a weird spot <laughs> today. That's why. Okay, so today I am covering Maud Wagner. Maud Wagner. Maud Wagner. I like that name. She sounds like the little troublemaker at the nursing home. You know. Oh, Maud Wagner. Yeah, she Always kind of getting is. up to it in her little, her little uh, rascal. Her little <laughs> rascal. All right. Always swapping the med cups. So this, I'm going to 
talk about like something else and then we'll get actually into mod. So back in the day, obviously, like it wasn't super common for women to be tattooed. You know, <gasps> I know who you're covering. Yeah, I'm covering Maude Wagner. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I already told you that, to cover her. I keep seeing the picture. I'm sorry. I won't interrupt. But that's just fucking like I'm lit. I'm excited. And so as women got more rights to do what they pleased with their bodies, females being tattooed became more and more common. And it's still, it's still, um, tattoos re- still remain a very big part of female empowerment. In fact, in 2012, more women than men got inked for the first time ever in a in a year, and that just continues growing. But yeah, obviously, it used to be super taboo. So I'm talking about one of the women that helped break down the, that barrier in modern times. And obviously, I'm gonna. This is my little caveat. Obviously, we know that Maud and other white women were not the first to do this. We know that. And I'm just going to say this. So the, the general legacy of tattooed women. Originally, we thought it started with native cultures, um, including Inuit tribes that are living in like Alaska and Canada that like still live there today because there are records from back to 1576 when an English privateer named Sir Martin Forbisher like wrote about female members of these tribes being tattooed. But we've actually found a mummified princess that was buried in Siberia that has pushed the date of the first known tattooed woman back to the 5th century BC. That is so metal. Just like right. a, ta- a mummified tatted princess. Right. That's like one reason I'm like, maybe I should be mummified and then everyone can see the glory of my tattoos years later. Here's the thing, though. Now I'm imagine- imagining Maude on her little rascal just covered in tattoos. Like, she and is I mean, the she, most badass she granny. <laughs> like, literally, like, from her, like, chin line down, she was just covered in tattoos. I love it. Um, okay, so Maud Wagner was born Maud Stevens in 1877 in Lyon County. Apparently, when I wrote Lyon County, I wrote over the, the state she lived in. Kansas. Lyon County, Kansas. Ironically, the high school football team was the Tigers. <laughs> that would be funny. I don't know, but that would be funny. And uh, as with many of our women, which is a sadly familiar tale, there's basically nothing written about her childhood like nothing (laughs) which is great you know you know at one point she may have been sucked up by a tornado and thrown into a distant land where she robbed a dead woman of her red shoes and then finally got back home to her wasteland of a farm yeah and we never know we would never know her street cannon. she's dorothy (laughs) yes so she began her career in the arts, because tattooing is an art, originally working as an aerialist, acrobat, and contortionist in the traveling circuses. So at the turn of the 20th century in America, traveling circuses were huge. This was like the heyday for traveling circuses. We're talking like P.T. Barnum and all the big names, you know. Before human and animal rights activists decided to ruin the fun for yeah, everyone right? by caring about living beings. <laughs> <laughs> so like the, the you know and usually most circuses traveled the coasts because it just made the most sense there was a lot of people living on the coasts so that's where she she worked and she 
It didn't give me an exact age, but they kept talking about her youth. So I don't think she was a child when she joined the circus. But I'm guessing maybe young adult, you know, maybe a teenager. I think teenager would probably be a safe bet. Right. Maybe like 16. Yeah, my guess. Um, But so she started traveling with them. And then, yeah, eventually she graduated to working with them. As I said, as a very famous aerial, like, you know, I'm sure it wasn't as sophisticated as today's aerialists, but, you know, she was like an aerialist and a contortionist, which I still think like those are fascinating things to do. I would love to be that flexible. Right. She was very, very popular to the point where the circus she was traveling with uh, actually led her to the 1904 Louisiana Purchase Exposition which was informally known as the St. Louis World's Fair. So I, I assume it was World's Fairy, you know, like just a, ba- a big gathering of stuff to basically celebrate celebrate the Louisiana Purchase. So, yeah, there was a murder castle there preying on fair goers. No big deal. Yeah. Why not? I'll H.H. Uh, H. Holmes, Chicago World's Fair. Look it up. It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare, <laughs> but it's interesting. Uh, yeah. Nightmare fair. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So at this Louisiana Purchase Exposition... Um, she was working because this was, you know, it it was an exhibition of just basically everything, including performers and inventors and, you know, like anyone. So she was working. And at the time, she met a man known, known as Gus Wagner, who was known as the Tattooed Globetrotter. So this was someone that was traveling all over the world tattooing people. So as the story oh, goes... I, I was imagining, like, the Harlem Globetrotters... Like I'm, I'm imagining him in the red, white, and blue uniform, like Afro, magic tricks and tattooing and people, covered in tattoos. Yeah, like like he's rolling the the tattoo needle across his arms and like spinning it on the top of his finger, and then like in one flick of the wrist, he gives you a full sleeve. tattoo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He That's dribbles funny. the tattoo needle like between his legs. He's like, oh oh. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's all I'm gonna picture now. Okay. <laughs> Her story had canon. Yep. As the, so as the story goes, Gus was so enamored with Maud that he and she was enamored with him or at least his tattoos. So he offered to teach Maud how to tattoo in exchange for a date. Oh. So he's like I- I'll show you my art, but you have to go on if a date with me. You show me your tits. <laughs> <laughs> this is 1904. I'm sure he's like, you know, we'll stroll along the boardwalk holding hands. I don't know. And then I'll touch your tits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's later under the boardwalk. Under the boardwalk. Exactly. People touching their tits <laughs> under the boardwalk. <laughs> Never going to think of that song the same. Ah, uh, good. So he taught her the kind of like the old school, the, the hand poke or the stick and poke method. Like that's what it was called. I also read it was known as the hokey pokey method, which is probably oh, my favorite term. Up. You do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around. And tattoo. That's how you get a tattoo. Woo. <laughs> um, so this is literally like where you literally just have a sharp needle, some ink, and then the per- like the person just has a really good attention to detail. Like... It's almost similar to, like, modern-day prison tattoos, because that's really all they have. But, like, this was, like, the original... This was the original version of tattooing before we had electric tattoo machines. Right. 
Which, honestly, like, the skill I feel like it would take to manually do that, because, I mean, you're just moving your wrist up and down over and over instead of, you know, you have the machine and the needles are automatically moving yep. into the person's skin. And it's it, it's more like, I, I would argue, like, drawing. It's more like a brush while stroke this is like, versus... Yeah, yeah. Like, actually, it's like pointillism. Yeah, <laughs> really. In the, like... Stick it. <laughs> extreme. And then, I mean, that's... A pro- you probably had to have, like, an incredibly fine attention to detail. Because if you yes. miss one of those pokes, you know, it's going to not look right. What What's that on your on your arm? It's it, it's a mole. Don't worry about yeah, it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, they did the date. He taught her about tattooing. And then they just kind of continued. He kept teaching her and in addition to teach and dating. And in addition to that, he also started, with her permission, decorating her body. So she started getting all of these tattoos so frequently, in fact, that, like I said, she was covered up to her neck. Literally, like if you see pictures of her, it's like chin line down in black work designs because they didn't really do colored tattoos back then. So they're all just black and skin tone. Like, it was incredible. And I mean, obviously, that just added to the spectacle of her show, like her contortionism and her um, aerialism, because, you know, not only is she doing these incredible feats with her body, but her body is also really interesting for people to look at. Well, and it could be, you know, if if you're like in a sideshow or something, you didn't have to have a deformity or a congenital situation. You could just have a bunch of tattoos and people are like, oh, shit. Right. Yeah. It was stare at you. It was very common for, yeah, like tattooed people to be part of circuses. And she's combining them both. It's like what she's doing with her body is a spectacle, but also what she has done to her body. Exactly. Is a spectacle. So it's like. Spectacleception. Exactly. So Margot DeMello, who is like a tattoo historian almost, I guess you could call her. She wrote a book titled Tattoos and Body Art Around the World. But she wrote, quote, Maud's tattoos were typical of the period. She wore patriotic tattoos, tattoos of monkeys, butterflies, lions, horses, snakes, trees, women, and had her own name tattooed on her left arm. So she had like a little bit of everything. Like, you know, she wasn't like picking and choosing. She was just like, yeah, tattoo me. Mod sounds amazing, but I have to say I've never understood having your own name tattooed on no. your body. I um, honestly unless it, you're like thinking real long term and you're like, if I'm murdered, they're definitely gonna know who I am. <laughs> right? Like, I want the world to know who I am. Then yeah. you just get it on your forehead. <laughs> no one'll miss it. So after quite a few lessons with Gus, they ended up getting married, and Maud Stevens became Aww. Maud Wagner, as as she is still known and remembered today. So while they were together, like I said, Maud was still working, and when she wasn't performing and attracting crowds, Maud actually began tattooing her own circus co-workers, and eventually started picking up public clients as well, and she always, both her and her husband, always opted to stay true to the hand poke method even though further in their careers, the electric tattoo machine were widely used. Like, it wasn't even a new thing. By the end of their careers, they were widely used. And they became um, some of the last tattoo artists to still use the hand poke method, which I think is kind of neat. I was going to say, I wonder, okay, obviously people in cultures where tattooing is 
a significant part of the culture, I'm sure, still use the handbook method. Oh, yeah. But if you just want to get a tattoo for your own pleasure, I wonder if they're like, like, if that's common for mainstream tattoo artists to know the handbook method or if it's more of a like cultural thing. I kind of doubt that there are many people. I'm sure there are people that still do it. Oh, at 100%. But I'm thinking like, like, have you ever seen that show Taboo? Yeah. It, it used to be on in like the mid 2000s. I don't know if they're still doing it. But one of the things they would talk about things people in other cultures did that would maybe be considered taboo to a Western audience. And tattoos were always on there. And it was like uh, when a man came of age, he got his tattoos or scarification and things like that. And with the tattoos, you'd see a lot of the hand poke method because, yeah. you know, some of these were in rural tribes and that was just what they'd always done. And they're like, we're not going to fucking do this electronic machine shit. That's not part of the thing. This has a lot of cultural significance. It's not just about control and decoration of your body. This, you know, means something deeper. But yeah, I wonder like if I Googled hand poke tattoo artist, if I would find anyone. No, I actually I actually did because because you were talking about Oh, shut about up. It. So there are still people that do it. In fact, there's this one the one that pulled up was called is called Liquid Amber in Vancouver. Um and they like talk about like why you might choose a hand poke tattoo over a machine tattoo. Actually, supposedly some people say they hurt less. Really? Um, others say they look more organic, you know, they're more, they tend to be more distinct, you know. See, and that's It cool. does say, though, at this time, we do not have any artists who do hand poke tattoos, but they must have at some point to have this fact, you know, okay. like, and so it does sound like some artists still do it, but it definitely sounds like it's less common, like significantly less common. But that's kind of cool that Maude and Gust were like purists, so yeah. to speak, with the, with the tattooing. They were like, no, 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 it's not the same. Like, because like we were discussing earlier, the hand poking is got is a very different technique and requires, I feel like, a different set of skills than using a machine. I agree. Like, I I feel like it, like it would be like almost like a surgeon. Like, I feel like it would require, I mean, tattoos, regardless, require a really steady hand. But I feel like the stick and poke would be even more so because you have to do, you know, like you have to make sure they're so close together. Yeah. Guys, we're not we're not shitting on tattoo artists who use machines. No, I have have three tattoos, guys. They're all they're all machine done. But uh, I don't know. It's just interesting to think about the differences. And yeah, the the different kinds. It's it's almost like uh, an artist. Using any kind of different, uh, yeah, different medium, mediums. whether it be graphic design, pencil, charcoal, paint, watercolor. Like, it takes different techniques and skills to use all of those different methods. And same with electronic tattoos and hand poking. Right. Or exactly. pokey pokeying. Yeah. I know. I love <laughs> God that. Goddamn. That is seriously I my want that on my one. business card. Hokey pokey, pokey expert. Pokey, what does that pokey mean? artist. <laughs> Let me take out my pin and we'll find out. Yeah, right. <laughs> So after leaving the circus, because, you know, generally, I'm sure I feel like circus performing is similar to like acting, maybe not acting nowadays, but acting back in those days where like what or like sports. Once you hit a certain age, you're just not as popular anymore. Again, no age ranges were ever mentioned when it came to Maude's story. They weren't like, oh, she retired at this. No doesn't say anything no one could tell how old she was because she was just covered in tattoos 
<laughs> but after leave, she did eventually leave the circus, or at least performing in the aerialist contortionist role, and like traveling with circuses. So her and Gus, because they stayed obviously they were they stayed together. They they married and did not divorce, which I think is adorable. So I can cheer for him. He doesn't call her like a difficult woman who's no. hard to control later God, on. No, not at all. Because you tricked me. I was so on board with him. And then he betrayed he all was of an us. asshole. Oh, Wangari's husband was a prick. Oh, God. Yeah. Anyways, but no, like when they left to Circus 8, they decided to travel around the United States, you know, because he was a globetrotter. And they both worked as tattoo artists and they became... I don't know if he did, but she kind of became like one of the tattooed attractions that we were talking about that basically like her act was now just having tattoos, which I think is kind of cool. So, but so instead of performing like along the coast, they would go, they went more inland and worked at like vaudeville houses and county fairs and amusement arcades and her and Gus are actually credited with bringing the tattoo industry farther inland and away from coastal cities where the practice had started because of like circuses and stuff. You know, what's interesting about that is that I, I should feel say in like... the mainstream, because again, like the natives were doing it before it was cool. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. The, the, the story is super like white western european centric obviously indigenous peoples have been using tattoos proudly amongst multiple genders for fucking ever we we were talking about that when we drank that maori wine yeah because and you you talked about that um i think she was a a government official who had the maori tribal chin tattoo yep yep yeah so we're definitely not trying to be like, Maude was the first woman ever because she was white. So we acknowledge her. We're not trying to do that. No, not at all. But what I think is interesting is uh, as far as like, yeah, mainstream, modern for this time society, it seems like the coasts, either, you know, the east and western coasts of the United States kind of have this like progressive, you know, they're a little more open to new and different things. And then it slowly bleeds into middle America. <laughs> Everywhere you <know>? else. <laughs> like th- there's a joke I've I've heard or I've heard it even referenced in some of the stories that we've done about LGBTQ plus people is like you just go to the coast. Go to the coast. Get out wherever the hell you are and just go to the coast and you will find your people because they're more accepting yeah. and more progressive. And so yeah, for her to be taking that from the coast inland oh yeah i can guarantee you that in i'm sure that in some of the towns she went to in middle america people had never seen like a tattooed woman before i can almost guarantee it they'd never seen a woman in 25 years (laughs) (laughs) well you know um no kidding i haven't seen a woman's woman's shoulders in a fortnight (laughs) the ankles it's 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 been too long fellas too long since i've seen a good ankle You gotta go to the Nickelodeon to see a good ankle nowadays. Those, those, those shapely calves. <laughs> Anyways. Oh my god. <laughs> so Gus and Maud had one child. They had a daughter named Lavetta, which is a great name. Oh, I love that. And she became a tattoo artist in her own right. She actually started tattooing at the age of nine. Oh my god! I know, I would... That would be so adorable to get a tattoo by, like, a nine-year-old, like, a little heart. Okay, here's the thing, though. Who did she tattoo? It didn't say. Of course it didn't Who say. let a nine-year-old tattoo them? No, Probably like- Maud and Gus. Okay. 
probably her parents. You know what? It's like you get your kids' drawings and you feel bad because you eventually have to like decide which ones you're going to throw away if you don't have infinite storage. Maude can never throw away that drawing. That's like on her body fridge forever. <laughs> right. And so Lavetta became her parents' apprentice. Um, however, Maude would not let Lavetta get a tattoo from her father. Oh, probably probably because she was young. You know what I mean? Like she's nine. I think that's a responsible parenting move. So obviously, Gus went on to die. And then Maude also died in January 30th of 1961. So she would have been in her 80s. I'm not going to do math. That's cool to think she was kicking around as recently as the 60s, though. Uh, yeah, 61. That's crazy. Yeah. Um. So she died in lots in Oklahoma. Didn't say how. I mean, she was in her 80s. She was probably just old. A strong breeze took her. But what I thought was kind of cute and interesting was that Lavetta, the loyal apprentice that she was, even though she was a tattoo artist, because her dad passed before she she got a tattoo from him, she refused to ever get a tattoo. Ever. So she she is one of the the few untattooed tattoo artists known. Because think about it. Think of any tattoo artist you know. They're covered in tats. Even if they're not covered, they at least have like two or three. Like I yeah. I don't think I have ever seen a non-tattooed tattoo artist. Right, it's like not everyone who is tattooed is a tattoo artist, but like every tattoo artist is tattooed. Generally, yeah. So I thought that was kind of interesting. So I left that in there, even though this is Maud's story. I, I have to say that's so sweet. Like, you know how people get memorial tattoos, like for a, a parent or a child or a relative or friend? Yeah, she kind of did the opposite. I thought about doing that for like my mom or my dad or even my grandmother, uh, who was a total fucking badass. But here's the thing. So my mother's father, my grandfather, he got a tattoo and it was like uber patriotic. It was like rock flag and eagles, like bald eagle, American flag, the whole nine. And he regretted it. It was it was something he did when he was young. I can't remember hmm. if he was in the military, if that had something to do with it, but he regretted getting it, so my mom has a really uh, sour opinion on tattoos. I mean, that makes sense. So I feel like it's a better tribute to my mother to remain tattooless. I don't know if that's going to be that way for the rest of my life. I think it's funny because my dad hates tattoos, but me and all of my siblings have a tattoo like for our family. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, which I think is so funny because if I had to guess anyone in your family had tattoo, I'd be like, your dad is definitely. Oh yeah, 100% you think my dad would have a tattoo. That no. tough old biker dude definitely has a bunch of tattoos. You right? just can't see them. Exactly, right? They're all just like. I know, love your I dad. Know. Next time you talk to him, tell him I love him and I your will. mom. You have a great family. Thank you. You do too. But Aww. yeah, so that's Maud. And I do I I I added a quote, not from Maud because I couldn't find a quote from Maud, but this is from Margaret Mifflin, who writes um it's a book called Bodies of Subversion, A Secret History of Women and Tattoo. So this is a quote from her. Quote Tattoos appeal to contemporary women both as emblems of empowerment in an era of feminist gains and as badges of self-determination at a time when controversies about abortion rights, date rape, and sexual harassment have made them think hard about who controls their bodies and why. 
I think that's so perfect because when you started this story talking about how women obviously in kind of the Western centric lens that we're examining the story through were it was very rare to be tattooed. I was like, well, yeah, because God forbid a woman take control of her own body in a way that a man may not find attractive or pure or virtuous or whatever the hell he thinks because it's all about hey, you can do whatever you want with your body as long as a man is okay with it, as long as society is okay with it. Women's bodies have historically been hyper-policed to the point where anything that you just do for you is an act of rebellion. It's so easy to be a rebel nowadays. You just have to do what you want and damn everyone else. Fuck everyone else. I'm getting my body inked. So little little uh, future teaser, we read that Strong Like Her book, and uh, we're hopefully going to be talking to the author soon and covering some women from that, but it's all about uh, sports women's history. And something that the author talks about a lot is kind of how women's bodies were viewed throughout history and different body types that were or were not acceptable at certain yep. times. I know, it's so interesting, isn't it? Yeah, and how they're reflective of the time and how basically the the ideal body type for a woman is always changing while the ideal for a body, t- body type for a man is, you know, more or less consistent. And obviously that's not entirely true, but you know what I'm getting at. I do. And it's about what the hardest thing to achieve is. So yep. in times of want and famine... Being more plump is desirable because that means, oh, you're getting food somewhere. You know, you're taking care of yourself. That's great. In times of prosperity, being thin is more desirable because you can afford to, you know, work out or not eat or whatever. It's crazy. And something she mentioned is that kind the time we're in right now, more muscular and fit and like I would even argue thick body types for women it's because you're taking kind of what care we're of in the yourself. mainstream well and it's also exudes this air of strength because we're That's in this true. wave of feminism where women are taking back control and they're taking control of the narrative and they're taking control of their bodies and where maybe 10 years ago women were afraid of being bulky now women are like look at my muscles yeah they're like yeah and I'm like yeah no <laughs> I'm working on it. I went to the gym today. I did I'm some bench presses too, and some arm stuff. <laughs> not as hard. <laughs> but that that's really cool. And that's something about tattoos. It's, it's really just an expression of your own body. It it's is. you taking control of your own body. As long as you're not putting swastikas or anything on, they're good for you. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, just don't bring other people down with your body art. Yeah. There's no need for that. Yeah, don't use it to be an asshole. I'm just saying. Right? Or, hey, if you're comfortable with that, at least everyone else knows you're a fucking Right, piece of they're shit. like, that person's an asshole. I'm going to stay over here because you're an asshole. Yeah. But that is super cool. And I have seen pictures of her since I, we have started I, this podcast. Uh, and I've we'll, thought about covering her. Right. And we'll have to make sure. And I mean, I, I told you the story that the reason I decided to cover her is because I'm, well, I was due to, to get a tattoo in January, in December and then I moved that back to after the holidays because I was like I need money to buy people Christmas presents (laughs) and we appreciate it yeah good I still have to get you your other one but I forgot what I was I've had too much wine you you were planning on getting a tattoo oh yeah and so I'm I think it's oh god I should probably double check when that is I think it's next week I think it's next Friday 
Oh shit! I see. I didn't know you were getting a new one. Yeah, I'm gonna get a lotus. Oh, no mud, no lotus style. I don't know what that means, but okay. Oh, it's um, I'll I'll, I'll tell you after. But go on with your story. Uh, no, I that that was it. That was I had postponed it, and so it's happening next week, and so. I'm getting tattooed by a different tattoo artist than my other three are done, and it's a woman. And I'm really excited. Like, she's so cool. I'm so excited. But yeah, she was the one, when I told her I do a podcast, she brought up, like, mod, and she was like, I could tell you so many stories about being, you know, a female tattoo artist and, like, things I've gotten asked and stuff. And I'm like, so why you're tattooing me? Because it's going to take a few hours you're going to tell me all of these stories and I will tell them on my podcast. But I was like, I should cover mod and it just came up in my line of things, even though I was like, man, I should have covered someone political because this week was shit politically. But I had already written mod's story before that happened. Uh, here's the here's the thing, though, about all of the women that we cover is unfortunately they're all kind of political but they're because they're all women who have done something amazing that's against the mainstream they've taken control of their bodies their narratives right. i i mean sometimes the country wh- whatever it is they're all kind of politicized because they're doing something different and they're doing something against the grain and they're doing great things so oh yeah and i mean if you think about it like mod tattooing herself is a statement in and of itself because women yeah didn't really do that Exactly. Yeah, you you texted me that you were uh, talking with a tattoo artist and that they were telling you how difficult or how challenging it can be being a woman in a, a man's world or whatever it was or a male. That's industry. right. And you thought I was talking about a man and you were like, wait, was a man mansplaining this I literally this texted you. I literally texted you. I was like, please, for the love of God, tell me it's a woman who is talking to you and you're not having a dude mansplain how hard it is to be a woman in a man's world. And I swear like, to God. No, it's a woman. I'm like, thank if, Jesus. If that was the case, you wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been texting you. You would have seen beat down at tattoo parlor. <laughs> <laughs> Customer beats man for mansplaining about how hard it is to be a woman. Oh, God. And then you would have had to talk on our podcast about how it's going to be just you because I'm in jail. (laughs) (laughs) So Kelly really took the stories we hear about rebel women to heart. and She beat up some piece of shit dude who decided to tell her how hard it was to be a woman in a man's world. I'm going to apparently finish this bottle of wine. Good for you. I'm almost done. Like, I've got this glass and then I've got... Mm, like another glass oh, I should, is worth, I'll which take, I'll probably I'll take a picture tonight. and you can you can combine the picture of what I'm drinking with the picture of what you're drinking and make it fancy. Perfect. All I'm right. Gonna, I'm going to do that before I drink it all. Hold on. You you can start talking, I promise. Okay. <laughs> okay. Can you hear well, the slurring? Because um, I can feel the slurring. <laughs> See, and this is why I wish we could hang out together during these recordings because Drunk Kelly is so fun. <laughs> Well, thanks. <laughs> She's all over the place. You I'll, never know what's going to happen. I know next. how Justin feels about that after, and Carl, because we're we're going to play video games after, and <laughs> we'll see how people feel about that. <laughs> That's where the beatdown's going to come from. Yeah, exactly. All right. By the way, I just want to apologize. Uh, I have my dogs with me in the office. I haven't uh, heard because- a peep from them. So if okay, I haven't good, heard it, I doubt anyone else could. I see Charlie. Charlie is whining hi, Charlie. at me. Hi, Charles. Here, wait, hold he on. He probably can't hear me, but hi, Charlie. There's my hi, dog. Hi, Charles. Oh, yeah, I love Charlie. 
he's a good boy. But yeah, he's whining at me because he wants attention. But basically, so my pit bull has been licking his feet a lot to the point where they're getting raw. And so we put little booties on him if we can't, like, be on top of him so he can't lick his feet. But then the booties, like, if he already has an open sore, they kind of, like, don't help. I don't think they hurt, but they don't help. Like, even the vet was like, yeah, if we bandage bum feet or whatever, it doesn't well, and a lot of times, in the healing process. Well, and a lot of times what will happen is the sore will heal to the bandage. And then when you take the bandage off, it just reopens it. Yeah. So so that I can watch him and make sure he's not licking, but keep the boots off. They are in the office with me. And Charlie, of course, has not gotten my undivided attention for more than five minutes. So he's whining at me. No, your dog is hilarious. All right. So uh, really quick disclaimer. My story is French. I decided to get the first French linguistic butchery story out of the way for 2021. She's like, let's just butcher this shit and get it done with. And then people just know what to expect for 2021. And I actually could not figure out how I pronounce this person's last name because I found multiple pronunciations. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to my friend Jory. Uh, she was actually the one who recommended <gasps> Olga, Olga of Kiev. And uh, she's just full of gold because this story was amazing. I want to give one more shout out yeah. to Ar- Artemis, who we've shouted out before because Artemis! I haven't read the email yet, but I saw that she sent us recommendations for Black History Month next month. So thank you, Artemis. Even though I haven't read your email yet, I appreciate you thinking of us. I know. I, I was in the middle of doing the uh, the Patreon post. And I saw that she emailed us. I saw, like, the preview. I was like, Artemis is so fucking on right? top of this. She is a queen. I was like, dude, you're more on top of it than I am. <laughs> but so I had been scrolling on social media, and I saw one of those posts where they're like, did you know about this lady? And I saved a screenshot of the post just to remember the name to look it up later. And later, that same goddamn day, Jory texts me and she's like, hey, this woman sounds like a badass. You might want to cover her. And so I had to send her the screenshot. I'm like, get out of my head. I literally just learned about her today and I'm going to cover her. That's awesome. I literally abandoned the notes I was already working on because I was like, clearly the universe is sending me a message because even today I was on social media and saw another post about this woman. I'm like, okay, I get it. I hope you saved those notes and are like, okay, that'll be later. Yeah, yeah, no, I I saved the notes. I'm not going to like just trash them and start over. I ain't got time for that. Don't worry. Don't make that face. I just (laughs) spilt down my titties. Oh, okay. (laughs) They were dehydrated. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, I want some of that shit, too. But I didn't see what happened. I saw you suddenly get up and walk away. I was like, oh, my God, is Kelly throwing up or something? (laughs) No, I think the problem is I haven't eaten dinner yet. Uh, I haven't eaten since like 11 o'clock this afternoon. Okay. So it's hitting me hard. And I'm like, I wanted to finish my cup, even though that means I'm completely out of wine. And that makes me a little bit sad. But... I got too excited about that final sip and it just went like, my boobs were like, I need some wine. <laughs> Do that in slow-mo, you know, just, we'll get lots of social media. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we'll, we'll do the, oh God, what is that? What is that? The ice called? bucket like the, challenge, no. but with wine. Like f- fans only. I'll start a fans oh, only, only account. Fans. 
Oh, yeah. Only fans. Yep. Okay. So today I am whining about Simone Sugan or Sagan. It is spelled S-E-G-O-U-I-N. I found multiple pronunciations. I only say her last name once. I'm probably going to say Sugan because it like had more of a French flair to it when I was listening to the videos on YouTube. So she is also known as Nicole Minet. Ooh. So I want everyone to take a moment and think back to when they were 15 years old. Hopefully we don't have any 14 year olds listening to this show. I mean, like, as long as it's you're not, not drinking. Just reminisce on your last okay. year. <laughs> Or think about what next year will be. Yeah. But you were probably in high school, overwhelmed with schoolwork, hanging out with friends, and being a dork. At least that was my experience. Yeah. I look back to when I was 15 and I cringe. But I like to think that just shows that I've grown. (laughs) Question mark? Because, like, for me, all in all, things were pretty typical except for, you know, some mental health bullshit you know, things were typical and boring and, you know, just I was living my life. Nothing to write home to the folks about. You didn't know me yet. You know, life was kind of shit. Life was basically pointless. Thank God I had tyranny and jewelry in my life. Otherwise, would not have made it. Right? I know. <laughs> so when Simone, Simone Sugan was 15 years old, her country was invaded by the German army. Fuck We've Nazis. talked at length about German occupation in France during World War II, and her future looked to be anything but bright and certainly not guaranteed. But that wasn't going to stop this plucky tomboy. Nothing short of death would stop her. Aww. Although that probably means she dies young and tragic. <laughs> do, do you just want me to tell you? Yeah. Or do you want me to save it for the end? No, save it for the end. I okay. want the surprise. Okay. I was going to say it's going to ruin some of the tension. I want the tension, Emily. So Simone was born in Chartres, which like when I listen to the pronunciations literally sounds like chart. <laughs> but the tre like <gasps> at the end is so subtle. Chart. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm going to mispronounce it just to not say the word chart five times through the story. But she was born in France <laughs> on October 3rd, 1925, as one of four children. Her father was a decorated World War I veteran, and Yay. she was extremely close to him and her three brothers. And she grew up as like a tomboy who knew how to give as good as she got. So, you know, so she's hearing war stories from her dad. Her brothers are all rough and tumble, and she's right in there with it like, yeah, right? fuck she you She wrestles up. <laughs> too. Yeah. Simone attended school until she was 14 years old, at which point she began working on the family farm. And that's probably kind of where her life is going to go. She's going to help out with the farm, get married to a nice French boy, pop out some kids, keep Probably being have her own just, farm. Yeah, do her own thing. And things are probably pretty normal, except for the typical farm drama. And then the Fire Nation attacked. I mean, the German army attacked. Oh, well, that was such a bad time to drink <laughs> Did you spit out your wine? No, I finished accomplished. I finished my wine. I'm now drinking body armor light. Um, Body armor light? Yeah, it's like a fancy water. Anyways, it it has no sugar, but it has B vitamins and antioxidants, and it's coconut water. I don't know. 
It's fancy <laughs> shit. But it only has 20 calories. But yes, I almost did a spit take, but I'm glad I didn't. There's too many electronics it. in front of me for that. Save it for the uh, video Patreon episodes. <laughs> When the Nazis invaded France, Simone was only 15 years old. And I, I saw all those like social media posts I mentioned at the beginning always said she was 18. She was 15 when they first invaded, though. It's it's like Game of Thrones where everyone was like 15 or 13, but they were like, we need to age this up so it looks better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, inspired by her own father's service and a desire to protect her country, Simone would not abide. She would not stand by. She's getting a tattoo that says, not today, bitches. (laughs) Right on her forehead. It's it's like, not on her forehead, and then today, bitches on either cheek. (laughs) She didn't, but that would have been insane. Actually, it probably would have ruined, like, everything she was trying to do, and I'll get more into that. Probably, but it's kind of funny. So she joined the France Terrouse et Partie. Partisans resistance group uh, to help conceal the identities of resistance members and protect their families. Many adopted a false name or nom de guerre. Simone's was Nicole Minet. So if you've heard her story, you may have heard it under that name. As part of this, Simone also had false identity papers with the name Nicole Minet. The paper showed that, quote unquote, Nicole was from Dunkirk. And this was because Dunkirk had been bombed towards the beginning of the war. So verifying papers and someone's identity from there was nearly impossible. Yeah, they were so like, just yeah, to be fuck like, it. Oh, Dunkirk. Yeah, that place is fucked up. Go on. <laughs> so Simone used her new identity to make trouble for the Nazis. First, she stole a bike from the German soldiers, painting it to avoid detection. Simone used the bike as her reconnaissance vehicle. And, like, it sounds like she probably just didn't have a bike of her own at home. But even if she did, I love she's like, no, no, no. I'm going to use the Germans' own bike to wreck their lives. Which is just, like, the perfect level of saltiness. I love it. So a young girl riding a bike was pretty innocuous and helped her deliver messages and perform surveillance quickly. It also helped her make a quick escape if if soldiers became suspicious. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, like driving around in a car, you're going to pay attention that but a young girl on a bike. It's a young girl on a bike. No one cares. While successfully delivering resistance messages under Nazis' noses is incredibly important, Simone was ready for more. She received military training and became a resistance soldier. She was particularly proficient with a German MP40, which is a type of submachine gun for people who aren't initiated like me who had to Google it. (laughs) (laughs) I I shouldn't laugh that hard, but it's funny. In the pictures, this this gun looks like really intimidating. So I was like, what kind of gun is it? But yeah. This gave her the tools to cause even more trouble for the Germans, including sabotaging supply lines, blowing up bridges, and even blowing up trains. So she wasn't going out on solo missions on her own, but she was a part of a collaborative effort to sabotage Nazi efforts in France. And this was so important to the French resistance. It wasn't all about just like shooting Nazis. It was just about ruining their ability to further their own efforts of taking over the world and killing as many people as possible. Yeah, that makes sense. Simone also aided in armed attacks against enemy convoys and other targets. So this wasn't just like sneaking around and, you know, 
putting bombs in dead rats in munitions factories or whatever. Like she was engaged. Was that a thing? Did someone do that? Oh hell yes. Yeah, yeah, because what would happen is, and I don't know if this happened specifically in France, but I know there were instances of resistance members during World War II. They would basically turn a dead rat into a bomb and they would put it in a factory. And then when the workers would like try to remove the dead rat, it would blow up. Oh. So that they couldn't manufacture more bombs and weapons. Deadman's switch style rat. Yeah. It's just like a dead rat isn't already nasty enough. Now it's a fucking weapon. (laughs) Each act of sabotage came with great risk. The Nazis established early on that any saboteurs would be shot without mercy. And I can only imagine how quickly the news spread when a fellow resistance fighter was caught and killed, making the threat of death ever present. And actually, there's a paper that I mentioned later on, but it's about women's role in the resistance. And the writer mentions a couple of stories of women who had their husbands and brothers and sons tortured in front of them in an attempt to extract information. And then when the women wouldn't cave, the the two stories that she cited, the women were sent to, uh, I think it was Ravensburg, but it was a concentration camp where they died or were killed. And the whole paper is basically about the lack of... female representation in the French resistance. And it's like, how do you quantify those kinds of stories of these women who were tortured and had their families tortured? And how do you account for that? You know, how do you not give them credit? Yeah. You know, like maybe they weren't participating directly in the resistance movement, but they paid the price and they didn't talk. I'm I'm switching to a French wine because I finished my other wine. This is like... A French empowerment story. I'm like, yeah, France. <laughs> I'm switching to the, I guess maybe it's not even French, but it's the Biel, Pierre, and Fils that we drank. That, that a is while French. Ago. That is 100% French. I think that's one of my wines. Yeah, product of France. Don't know whose wine it is. Drinking it. So basically, this is a teenage girl. She's 15 years old. She knows that she could be killed at any moment. And she's like, I'm going to keep doing it. Fuck the Nazis. Right? That's so impressive. Like, I don't even know if I could do that. Like, I was going to say, I want to say I would, but I don't know for sure if I would. The whole time reading this story, I was like, what would I have done as a 15 year old or even like 15 through 18? Would I have had the guts to put my life on the line like that? I I don't know. I like to think I would. But who the hell knows? So when Simone was 17 years old, she met fellow resistance fighter Roland Bouzier. Roland was actually the commander of the operation in Simone's hometown. They had the ultimate meet cute while capturing Nazi troops in uh Say with confidence. I, I put the I put the phonetic note further down, so that's my bad. But uh Tiva, France. Roland had just finished killing a group of Nazi soldiers and was in hiding until the heat died down. Simone found him and became his courier, delivering messages and commands to the rest of the resistance group. So she was basically the go-between from the head of the resistance, that local resistance group, to everyone else. Okay. Wow. At that young of an age? Jeez. Yeah, she she was 17 at this time. So this was a few years into the Nazi occupation, because I believe it was from 1940 to 1944 the Nazis occupied France. Yeah, that sounds right. 
Ish. So the two would never marry, but they had six children, I imagine, after the war, you know? <laughs> Simone spent her teenage years as a resistance fighter, dodging Nazis and dancing with death, but it would all pay off. Simone participated in the liberation of Chartres, which I am mispronouncing not to say the word Chart, in August of 1944. I just did not develop. The mouth muscles to pronounce certain French words without making them sound dirty. I am 29 years old. That ship has sailed. (laughs) I didn't take French, so I'm I'm in that boat, too. But this is where, you know, she grew up and she was there helping with the liberation in 1944. The city took heavy damages and almost lost their iconic cathedral, which if you Google this place, the cathedral is like all you see. So... Little historical side note, the Americans were set to destroy the cathedral thinking it was a German observation post, but upon like double checking, they found it was vacant of Germans and decided not to destroy the almost 700 year old landmark. That's good. I'm glad they double checked. Yeah, this is why you just always double check things. And like the loss of life from World War II and the Nazi campaigns is tragic and awful and completely unexcusable and then on a different level you hear about the historic losses um the only like spinosaurus fossils were lost because of the nazi interference it was basically munich was bombed and the museum housing these fossils was hit but the guy who discovered the fossils was not into what the Nazis were putting down. He's like, you guys are assholes. So they purposely would not move his fossils and they were lost in the bombing, the super justified bombing. But then even like these land, like an entire culture, like everything was just reshaped by this, you know? Art was lost. Culture was lost. So during the fighting, she killed two Nazis and helped capture 25 more. She wow. then linked up with France's 2nd Armored Division. So they were heading to Paris next to liberate the city. And Simone was not going to miss out. She's like, hey, hey what are you guys doing, doing after this? After we liberate this place? Oh, we're going to go liberate Paris. And she's like, count me in. She's like, yeah, you can't get rid of me that easily. Yeah. So Paris was a straight-up war zone, and Simone was now in the middle of it, but she spent the last four years as a soldier and was ready. Paris was finally liberated on August 25th, 1944. Fuck yeah! It was here that Simone gained widespread notoriety. American photographer Robert Kopka took photos of Simone with her German MP40 in Life magazine. She was also interviewed by Jack Belden for life, and the article concluded by saying, quote, I could find no trace of what is conventionally called toughness in Nicole, because he's calling her by her nom de guerre. After routine farm life, she finds her present job thrilling and exhilarating. Now that the war is passing beyond her own home district, she does not think of going back to the farm. She wants to go on with the partisans to help free the rest of France. So she's in it I have to, to win it. I'm Googling this picture now. Oh, yeah. I think I've there actually seen There are several pictures before. of her. And one in particular I, I describe and it's I just want to say I Googled Nicole World War II and her Wikipedia for Simone popped up. Good job, Google. She has capitalized on the market of the search Nicole World War II. <laughs> 
So the photos of Simone are kind of startling when you look at them. They're not graphic, but it's the combination of the ordinary and the extraordinary that like really kind of makes you go, oh shit. Like eight, uh, eight pause for a second. Simone. There's a picture Sorry. of her in like a normal fucking outfit. She's like in shorts and a polka dot top in a hat with her fucking rifle, like with other military people. Like uh, it looks like they're about to storm a building and I'm like. Wow, that looks weird. Bitch, did you read my notes? No, I didn't. Okay, here's the thing. I want everyone to know how in my head Kelly is, so I'm going to keep <laughs> reading my notes, which are basically exactly yes. what she said. 18-year-old Simone is wearing an outfit that I could see a young woman wearing today. Like, it's super cute <laughs> not to, like, be that person. Oh, yeah, I would wear it. Maybe not the hat, but the rest of it. She's wearing a blouse with highway shorts. Uh, she's wearing her little garrison cap, which is like those little diamond-shaped military caps you see, especially like in the Navy people wear, holding her MP40. In one photo, she's standing between two men who look like more militant. Like one yeah, guy has a hard helmet. that is 1,000% the picture I'm looking at. Yeah. And they look way more militant than she does. And to see this small woman in the scene seems so out of place because she looks like she's just like living her life but she has a gun oh, yeah. and she's between two no, dudes it with looks guns. like they were just like hey you you walking down the street hold this gun and stand over here but she has been doing this for the past four years this is her life she that's amazing just as much right to be there as though as they do and she just looks so out of place because that's part of being in the resistance you're not you're not in uniform your whole no, you're deal supposed is to, to avoid detection. Yeah, exactly. But this was her home and it didn't matter that she was young or a woman. She still fought. Simone would later say, quote, I was fighting for the resistance. That's all. If I had to start over, I would because I have no regrets. The Germans were our enemies. We were French. At the end of the war, Simone. I like that. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt you, but I like the we were French. I like that. Like, like. No, we're fighting for our country. Yeah. Th- like, this is kind of this united identity we have. We're not going to stand by while people invade our fucking yeah. country. No, I fucking love that. You come into my house on the day of my daughter's wedding and disrespect me like this. Yes. <laughs> so at the end of the war, Simone was promoted to lieutenant and awarded the Croix de Guerre for her service in the resistance, which is like a high military honor. Simone was once asked if she ever killed anyone during her service. She responded, quote, on July 14th, 1944, I took part in an ambush with two comrades. Two German soldiers went by on a bike and three of us fired at the same time. So I don't know who exactly killed him. You shouldn't have to kill someone like that. It's true the Germans were our enemies. It was the war, but I don't draw any pride from it. And I want to include this quote because it reminded me of Hanny, Truce, and Freddie, who you covered in episode 55. I even looked up the episode. I literally just accidentally dropped my phone. I was so excited about that. <laughs> so for those who don't remember or haven't listened to the episode yet, these were three Dutch teenagers who were part of the resistance and they seduced Nazis to get them alone to kill them. And they are teenagers 
these girls didn't take any joy or pride in it. And they, they've been interviewed extensively. And there's even a book about yeah. them called Seducing and Killing Nazis. And they say, like, I need this to read was that. bored. It was necessary. We didn't enjoy it. It was just what we had to do. Right. And it's I feel- like we were, f- we were freeing our country. Yeah. Like- and I feel that's the same attitude that Simone took. Probably. Um, also, really quick free Nazis. life advice for everyone. Fuck never. Well, fuck the Nazis, first of all, but never ask someone who is in a war or other violent situation if they've killed someone. No, That's it's fucked. rude. It's, it's like asking a woman her age. <laughs> I would argue it's worse, but okay. No, but like it is 10,000% worse. I'm sorry. But here's the but- thing. It sounds, it sounds so like, duh, Emily, no one needs to be told that, but Jared has legit been asked that. So like- No, uh, like- it, it, it just made think me think I've, of that, that she was even asked that question. I'm like, you don't fucking ask that, guys. I think I mentioned it before, but it's like, it reminds me of a coworker I once had that on like Veterans Day that he's like, I don't want to be thanked for my service. That's not true of all veterans, but like this specific yep. guy that I knew was like, I don't want to be thanked for my service. I was just doing my duty. I did what I had to like. I'm injured. I have to live with the consequences of me doing this for the rest of my life. I don't want to be thanked. You know, I feel like I almost feel like she's kind of like that. She's like, you know, I did I did what I had to do to free my country. Yeah. And I'm I'm sure she takes some pride in what she did. I hope and so. not necessarily the um the carnage that she participated in. You know, I don't think anyone wants to do that. But sometimes you're put in that position where you have to. So after the war, Simone became a pediatric nurse, which just made me smile. Like she went she went from being a child fighting Nazis to an adult helping children. Like That's adorable. I don't know. That just made my heart all warm and fuzzy. Uh, she remained in Sartre uh, and raised her six children that she had in with Roland. Shart. <laughs> The the ray at the end is so subtle when I listen to it on like websites. I was like, they're I like, don't know how to do they're this. They're like shart ray. <laughs> All right. Living legacy because yes, we actually have a living legacy for Simone at 95 me? fucking years ah! old. She is still going strong. Fuck yeah, Simone! She will be, I think she'll turn 96 in October of this year, which blows my mind. We're going to celebrate you so fucking hard. I kind of hope she makes it to 96, just so we can no, be like, happy birthday, she needs birthday, to make Simone. it to like 107, I don't know. I'm actually like a little disappointed she hasn't written a memoir, because I couldn't find a lot of specific stories about her service. It was more like, Hey, she fought against the Nazis and she was a saboteur and did this, but I couldn't find like individual stories throughout her four years of service. I'm like, God, I know you're 95, but is it too much to ask for you to write it down? (laughs) So someone on the internet, so it's called Stosesi's Heroes. So it must be for some type of game. I don't know. Oh, it's. 28 millimeter high quality miniatures for war gamers and paintings. I don't know. So it's it's like miniatures, but they have one of her. 
And I kind of want to buy it. I didn't know that. That didn't come up in any of my research. That's amazing. I'll have to post a picture. Yeah, I'll send it to you. So now Simone lives in Curvillo-sur-Air, where a street was recently named after her. Of this, the mayor describes Simone as, quote, a rebellious spirit, a strong character, certainly, who took her father's example and rejected the enemy occupying our country. You know, Simone, if somehow someone in France is listening and this gets back to you, we would love to speak with you. Oh, my God. Because you're a badass and you're my hero. Yes. Of the honor, Simone said, quote, I'm very glad to know that people are not indifferent to this period of my life. Aww. Like, she's so humble. She's just like, I'm glad people acknowledge this. And I'm like, people should be kissing your feet. <laughs> right? Like, you should be, like, memorialized and people should be, like, carrying you around in a, like... One of those golden, like, pavilions, like, you know. Oh, God, where are those called? Like, Road to El Dorado. Like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She should get to run over anyone she wants and her rascal. No consequences. (laughs) Yes. Most recently in 2020, the village hall in Tiva, France, was named for Simone, which I think is amazing. And then, uh, according to a paper by Claire Andrew of the University of Paris called Women in the French Resistance Revisiting the Historical Record, and this is the paper that I briefly mentioned earlier, women made up around 12% of the French Resistance. However, male resistance fighters from the time regularly state how valuable women were. And at what we've talked about of women in war, and even in the last episode with the female ninjas, Men didn't think women were up to anything. Oh, they're so demure. They're so passive. They're not up to anything. So they're really valuable as spies. And oh, even, yeah. you know, they're preying on men's <laughs> horniness. It's surprisingly easy. <laughs> so it's likely that the number of female resistance fighters is severely underestimated. Claire notes that it's likely women called attention to their acts of resistance post-war less than men. Uh, so because they viewed it as their civic duty and not something to declare. So something I learned in this paper, it's really interesting to, so resistance fighters could receive a pension from the French government. So they had to like go in, prove they were part of the resistance and then they they could get a military pension. Hey, good for France though. What? Is it like good for France? Or were you saying women weren't allowed to do that? No, no, no. It's not that women weren't allowed to do that. It's just that women didn't. They were like, well, why would I go and ask for the acknowledgement? It's just what you do. So. Yeah. I mean, like I said, that's how my friend felt about his service to the United States. It was just it was what I did. Exactly. So for these women, it wasn't something to declare. What we do know, though, is that their efforts had a lasting impact on gender roles in the country. French women voted for the first time in local elections in 1945. Wow. And then the national election shortly thereafter. They did gain the vote in July of 1944. But, you know, with the government being in exile and everything, no one was voting for shit. But, like... We just celebrated a hundred years of women's suffrage, 1920, and over 20 years later, 
women in France got the vote. Like, for once, America on, was, France. like, on the forefront. I didn't realize that women in France got the right to vote after women in America. Yeah. I, you know, here's the funny thing, though. I feel like I mentioned something like that in our very first episode when I covered Alam de Gouge. I don't know if that's funny or, like, Okay, it's, it's funny in the ha-ha, we're all burning in hell kind of funny, like, schadenfreude funny. <laughs> I'm very laughing harder fart. I'm laughing far harder. <laughs> Never mind. Emily just cut that entire The wine has taken Kelly for quite the trip. <laughs> Simo- so I'm, I have one more I'm paragraph. This isn't a video episode. I have one more paragraph. We're we're so close. Pizza. Simone sacrificed her teenage years to go to war, fighting to end the enemy occupation of her country, and she was not alone. Her story is one of thousands that will go untold, either due to the fact that the women who fought either didn't share their story or weren't recognized, or they didn't survive to tell it. Oh. And I think that's why Simone's story is so important. Because she's getting a lot of this attention, especially on social media, like in the past couple days, apparently, because her story is not necessarily unique. There were tons of women and young women who were fighting the Nazi occupation in France. And we in Kelly, you've covered several women, particularly uh, Andre Burrell, who was actually on Simone's wiki pages, like further reading like, oh, if you like Simone, you'll love this horribly tragic story. And so many of those stories go untold. And like I mentioned in Claire's paper, she cites stories of two women who were tortured and had their families tortured, were sent to concentration camps and killed for not speaking. And how many of those stories just were not documented? Oh, probably most of them. So many. So many. And so while this is the story of Simone Sugan, this is also the story of so many others who we will never know about and we thank them that's, for that's their so service sad, though i know she lived and we're still sad <laughs> we're like we love you simone you're still alive and if you ever want to talk to us we're totally here please email here's us the thing any story with nazis is gonna end any story with nazis is gonna end on kind of a sad note because fuck nazis fuck nazis and fuck american nazis and fuck every other type of nazis and wine emily what are you thankful for (laughs) i am thankful that i went to the gym today i went to the gym on my lunch break i basically spent the entire morning making excuses not to go where i was like well maybe i'll just like do something at home or maybe i'll just not go like i've worked out every other day this week it's fine but here's the thing i was stressed i was anxious i was just generally feeling like shit and i'm like emily you're always happy when you go to the gym. And so I went on the treadmill and I actually pushed it. I, I turned on a song that really pumped me up and I cranked it up. I was like, nope, still feeling terrible. Cranked up the speed. Nope, still feeling terrible. And I cranked it up where I was like sprinting on the treadmill where I was like, everything hurts too much for me to be sad. This is amazing. <laughs> so I'm thankful I did that. And I've I've actually, going to the gym has become such a critical part of my mental health care now. It was not, that was not the intention of me going to the gym. But now it's like, 
I need to. Like when the gyms were closed for a month recently, I was like trying to go on walks, but it's cold, it's snowy, it's icy, it's shitty. And I'm it's like, fucking I'm, Minnesota in But January. I was like, I'm going to die. I need to get on a treadmill. I need to run. I need to do this. And so I'm thankful I had the opportunity. I'm thankful I had the motivation to do it. Did you just I'm say also, I'm going to die? Kind of. It was, it was actually, I didn't realize how integral exercise had become to my life and my mental health until I couldn't do it. Because when everything shut down the first time over the spring and summer, at least the weather was nice. I was hiking and I was going outside and I was still keeping up with my exercise regimen. But in the winter, it's so hard because you can be outside for like 30 minutes to an hour at the most before your fingers start to turn red and go numb. <laughs> right? You're like, I'm so fucking cold. I can't feel anything. Yeah, you definitely move quicker, though, because you're like, got to get home. Got to get home before I die. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'm jealous of you and your commitment to actually going to the gym. Because I'm not like that. Like, I paid however much money to have a Beachbody yearly subscription. And I don't think I've worked out in, like, three weeks. And I'm jealous of your commitment. Like, I'm drunk. And I might regret saying this. But whatever. Fuck it. I had weight loss surgery because I had other health complications. And... I should be working out and I don't like I'm so fucking lazy like granted I probably eat like half of what you do like let's be honest because I can't eat very much but like I'm gonna start crying because I'm drunk and I probably would cry anyways you have to keep this in because I don't care I don't care what you think (laughs) Um, I but just real you, quick disclaimer. I am going to text Kelly after this and make sure that sober Kelly is okay with me leaving this in. So if you're hearing this, I'm not a huge bitch. <laughs> you are such an inspiration to me, Emily. Like, oh my god! When you text me about working out or any of that, oh you are such an inspiration to me, and I love you. So much. And every time I think about not wanting to do this podcast, because I have, I'll be honest, I've thought about like, God, I'm going to school. I'm working. I'm, you know, I don't have time for this. I'm like, no, one, I want to tell these women's stories because they deserve to be told. And two, I want to do this with Emily because one, I fucking miss her so fucking much like so fucking much you don't even understand and two like I know you're super passionate about this and I want to do this with you I want to experience this with you and I want I want to be here listening to you tell me about these amazing women because you're an amazing woman and I know you don't always think that and I'm sorry, but you are. Ask Jared. Ask me. Ask (laughs) fucking anyone. You are amazing. And I I wish I could be like you in your dedication to working out. And, you know, yeah, I love you so much. 
I'm not crying. You're crying. I am. <laughs> See, that's the thing. I am crying. Here's I'm the over here crying. I think Charlie knows it's getting emotional up in here because he is whining. At, he's like, <laughs> no, I, before we, I told Emily before we started that, before she joined our call on Facebook, Navi had scratched at the door like three or four times. And like, <laughs> as she was calling me, I heard Justin putting up the barrier because he puts a, we luckily our our studios like in a hallway where he can put up like usually it's one of our like collapsing tables and so I heard him putting that up but I'm like ninety percent sure when I walk out of this room her Navi and Atari are gonna be sitting right fucking there like mom we know you needed us but we couldn't come <laughs> but here's the thing if we're gonna do real talk on this episode I really admire you. Like, you keep me going because the fact that you're going back to school to get your fucking master's, like, I love learning, but I was shit at school. Assignments, (laughs) papers, the anxiety, the stress, I was terrible at it. And I have so many negative negative memories associated with my education. So the fact that you have your bachelor's and you're like... No, but I'm passionate about psychology and I'm passionate about helping people. I'm going to keep doing this. I want to do this. And I love you. And I'm so, like, I'm inspired by you. You give me fire. You give me drive. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity that we can do this together. When we met in 2009, freshman year of high school, I would have never imagined we were doing this together. And I am so thrilled. I mean, I always thought you were fucking amazing. But I agree. (laughs) Like, if you would have told me... um... Hold on. I have to count on my fingers. Hold on. 12 if you would have told me 12 years later not only would we still be friends but we would be doing a podcast together and I would be fucking in love with you I would have been like <laughs> cuz I am I'm and I our our husband slash significant other our significant our others know that that if we ever leave our significant others it will be for each other they know that (laughs) trust me they do jared asks Um, me all the time are you leaving me for kelly i'm like maybe you're like ask (laughs) ask me in like a day i'll let you know know. Uh, anyways you'll know when i'm no longer here or when i've changed the looks (laughs) honestly that is what i'm thankful i'm thankful i'm thankful for you i'm thankful for our podcast I'm thankful for the strength you give me, even though you probably don't realize you give it to me. Um, yeah, like because for those who don't know, I was texting Emily and I was like, "Man, I do, I really don't want to record tonight. I'm just very blah. Like my week has been shit because it's been super busy. Because I took last week off, which was amazing, and I ten thousand percent needed it. <laughs> but that means this week has been. So insane. Plus, because of COVID and everything, we've we've made a bunch of changes that we literally just found out about today. And they were like, by the way, we want those like Tuesday. And we're like, well, shit. <laughs> Anyways, so my week has been pretty shit. So I didn't really want to record tonight. But Emily was like, she was so nice about it, too. She was like, whatever you need. And I was like... I love you because like (laughs) the thing is I don't want to let you down both Emily and our listeners I don't want to let you down 
I don't want to like change our progress because like I know we were supposed to have a herstory happening this week and I failed because it was my turn. But I'm hoping we'll get one out probably not next week, but the week after because I'm sorry, but video editing during a pandemic when me and Emily are not in the same room is really fucking hard. Honestly, so I need probably... to stage this office like crazy because it is a disaster area. Like, I'm still redoing my upstairs. Everything has been moved into the office slash closet. It's a fucking shit show. So that's also Don't worry. on me. <laughs> I'm not ready. I think about that on, like, my Zoom calls. Like, at work, I'm like, I'm going to have a Zoom background, even though it makes me look fucking weird. Like I, Like, for some reason, Zoom makes me look like I don't have hair. Like, or at least, like, part of my hair. But I'm like, my room is too messy to have you look at my background, so I'm going to have you make it look like I don't have hair. Anyways. My I'm thankful for this week is Emily. Aww. Period. I love you. Or as they say in Britain slash potentially the rest of the world, let us know. Full stop. (laughs) I've heard that everywhere. Or dot, 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 ellipses style. Yeah. Like this fucking wine. <laughs> you know what? I like that. My I'm thankful for this, em- for this week's Emily. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> See, when you do it that way, it's a little sexy instead of like passive aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, should I say I'm thankful for Emily? Dot, dot, dot. all right well thank you for listening to this particularly emotional episode i think both of us have had really rough weeks we're telling amazing stories about tatted women and nazi killers like it's amazing maybe slightly too much wine before dinner we've had we haven't had one of those like accidental drunk dives in a while though so count yourselves no. lucky this was a but i miss you. you and i can't wait till we can do them in person again i know we're gonna have to do that slow-mo video to the backdrop of reunited and it feels so good but thank you so much for listening to another episode of whining about history we talk about badass space from history you probably hadn't heard of especially those who fight nazis because fuck nazis Fuck Nazis! Like us on Facebook at Whining About Herstory, Instagram at WAH Pod, Twitter at WAH underscore pod. Our website is Whining About Herstory at nope.com. <laughs> whining About Herstory.com. Our email is Whining About Herstory at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you, whether it's like Artemis telling us women we should cover or Hallie telling us hey, I wrote this book. You should check it out. Or, you know, just being like, hey, I love you. And then we would respond and be like, hey, I love you too. Yeah, we all need a little more love in the world. 100, especially now when maybe like 85% of the world is socially distanced and we're not getting enough love. We also have a Patreon. If you search Whining About Herstory or a Teespring also searching whining about history where you can get some sweet sweet merch i know i actually i actually wore our t-shirt not a t-shirt our tank top to bed the other night even though it has a misspelling which emily has fixed by now 
and she'll probably cut out of this recording. Uh, but I wore our tank top to bed the other night, and it's honestly, I'm not just saying this because I want you to buy our merch. It is so fucking comfortable. Like they use nice shit. Like so I, I've merch. worn our I've worn our t-shirts because we ordered some samples for a photo shoot we did. I was like, I'm actually like really proud to wear this. Like, which I love. We this. will be either posting hopefully before or maybe just slightly after this this recording. We are going to be doing something very special for our two-year anniversary towards the beginning of March, so look out for that shit. And um, also, Fingers please- and toes crossed that we can be together for that. Yes, please wear your mask. You know, be responsible. maybe let us know if you would potentially like us to do a live version for our two-year anniversary. Oh, shit. Kelly's just throwing things out now. The wine has taken hold. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> the wine and the body armor. We're not sponsored by body armor, but that's legit what I'm drinking. But please also I finished rate two us- bottles of wine. But please also rate us five stars wherever you listen. It really helps us. We have gotten some really lovely five-star reviews, and I am so thankful for all of you. When we don't have a say their name, we will be reading v- reviews, and yours right. might be next. What's and that? honestly, we read them and then we text each other. I'm not crying. You're not crying. Read this review. Yes. Yes. I actually, so I, I use Audible to listen to my audiobooks, and they have podcasts on there. So I was like, are we on Audible? I looked this up. We have one five-star review. There's nothing written, but someone legit rated us five stars okay. on Audible. And they Whoever are like, is listening queen. that rated us five stars on, on Audible, you are like top five of my favorite people on earth i don't know who you are but you are top five so thank you so much for listening to another episode of whining about herstory i'm emily i'm kelly and have an empowered day bye Bye. (sighs) i'm sorry i'm so drunk (laughs) 